This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network, the least topical podcast on the internet. Today's topic was the past three weeks. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Okay, welcome back. It is the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafiori. And I am Adam Lustick. And we are back after a two-week hiatus. Hiatai? Yes, hiatai. Hiatai. Yes. Right. Um, We've been just kind of dancing around scheduling. And also, Adam, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that the first week we took off two weeks ago was simply because a lot of things were happening in the world. And we kind of wanted to kind of honor that for a second. I think so. Yeah. Our our world is... um, which has been sort of gripped in the throes of a pandemic for a few months now. Uh, yeah, has been sort of uh, the tumult. The tumult continues, and we were just sort of, I think, reckoning with that in our own way, and just sort of felt like we should maybe respectfully not do this podcast for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we. Yeah. It was it was about three months already of being at home and yeah. kind of being, you know, just kind of cooped up to be safe and to try and avoid sharing COVID-19. Yes. <laughs> and then George Floyd was murdered in yes. Minneapolis, I believe. Yes. And Memorial Day. And that, then the floodgates kind of opened and people said there are things that are more important in the world than kind of cooping up. We kind of have to lend our voice to the streets and online yeah. and lend our money to needing needing people. Yes. And, and it was kind of one of those things where it was like, you can't really talk about the no joke hall of fame right now. I, yeah. It just didn't feel totally appropriate. We let you, all of you listeners uh, know that Billy and I are silly, silly boys love goofing. <laughs> uh, we love nothing more than engaging with you and the voicemails and just sort of hanging out and talking with each other. Uh, right. But, um, but yeah, we just wanted to sort of that there there were slightly more pressing things going on in in the world, and we sort of felt like we and and frankly we were you know to, to some degree sort of bit frankly busy sort of engaging with that and protesting right. and marching and donating and um, yeah and reading and learning and listening etc. Yeah. So I my personal experience three weeks ago was um, I was so and still am so aware that COVID nineteen is a real thing. Oh my god! And yeah. That, and that people are saying that it's spiking now, but the truth of the matter is that it's only been incrementally going up, and now it's going larger than incrementally right. going up. Right. And so I've really been in that like safety above all, health above all. Same. And the. George Floyd murder occurred and people immediately gathered and Black Lives Matter immediately activated. And that's a community that me and Marina have supported for upwards of four years now. Yep. And they start, they organized rallies and they organized protests to honor and shed shed a light on what happened in Minneapolis. And I personally, the first week of all those protests and second week too, I believe, maybe just the first week, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't attend them. I couldn't get past the COVID-19 reality of it all and you know to I say know. that you couldn't be in a, a group of 10 people and then suddenly it was like twenty thousand people are marching down melrose you know you're just like damn okay right um and so it that is, was my initial is, concern yeah i can't imagine that i was alone in that concern though i was very proud of the twenty thousand people marina included who were like oh yeah something matter some things matter more yeah 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 it is, experience it, too? did you were you compelled to want to march and protest did you march oh, absolutely uh, but, uh, we have been going to uh, – I'm also super aware of COVID and, right. you know, it's like 
I think that's one of the kind of like double-edged sword paradoxes of this moment of the of the sort of COVID overlapping with uh, like all these protests. It's because as you and I kind of talked about the other day when we were just hanging out, it's, you know, people are not at work. They have pent a lot of pent up energy, uh, nowhere else to to be <laughs> or go, to go. No, yeah, exactly. So, right. like in a way, that's really incredible. Uh, and to see like everyone be able to put sort of the full weight and the full force of their selves behind this sort of like racial equity movement is inspiring and amazing, and it's like affecting real change probably faster than it than you know. <laughs> I don't know. You said something the other day. It was like if sometimes you see a week's worth of change after ten years of or whatever it was that you said. But sometimes you know, sort of sometimes it takes decades for a week's worth of change and then other times it takes a week for a decade's worth of change exactly and this is and this is the latter which comes far less frequently but clearly you know people are capable of change when it's they're confronted with it like this exactly so in a way that's been really i think kind of an amazing thing to see and i think that's why uh, that's contributing to the reason why you see this sort of tenacity of all these protests and how they don't seem to be waning at all and i hope they don't and like with no one in sight and hell yeah Uh, and of course i had the kind of impulse to join them but the other edge of that sword is like and the pandemic yeah, exactly. The pandemic well, was, as so, well. Yeah. Did you did you in that first week when kind of protests started happening and like collective voices started being yeah. heard? Were, did you hit the streets or did you say I'm going to sit this first round out? No, we went to again. We're up in like sort of relative, not super sleepy, but just sort of like Pasadena, Altadena is a little bit more mellow, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. than like sort of the LA proper. So we, yeah, Maggie and Fig and I have been going to like you know we've been to a handful of sort of like park protests and meetups. Um, trying to avoid the 50,000 people jammed on Hollywood Boulevard vibe um, mm-hmm. just from the COVID of it all. Although I, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the other thing is like social media does, <laughs> in a way this is like, I mean, social media has made me, it just connects us all and makes me feel like I could be at the Hollywood protest without being there, et cetera. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, we have definitely um, hit the streets and uh, marched a little bit and protested in person. Uh, you yeah. know, having a young baby sort of limits our full ability to do that. And like you said at the very top, it's like I'm super aware of our health. So no doubt. that is no doubt. Um, but it does feel like, you know, there's many different lanes of activism that one can fill. And marching yeah. in the streets and protesting is definitely one of them and a, a really critical one, I think. And also there's, you know, like you said, donating money and time. I feel like that, especially as a white person, that is what I feel like I like I have to offer that is of most value, my money and my time. Mm-hmm. And and that that time can be protesting. That time uh, can simply, like I said, just be reading or talking to friends or speaking to friends, both white and black, about what's happening and uh, how we feel and confronting my own white fragility, et cetera. Is and is then yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's very sound. I relate to it. I would also say we've done an episode on it, but we should really be reaching in white people. We should really be reaching into our kind of reserves of empathy. And to really be be actively empathetic and to put down whatever deeply instilled biases we may have, we may not even know we have, but to just be empathetic and not to immediately have a reflexive, yeah, but, but to just hear and listen, because I find that that is ultimately another just like internal way of coming Yeah. You know, and being a better participant in this experiment of being human beings. And and living together. And like, it's, it's 
I understand the impulse to be defensive. We're all human beings, and uh, mm-hmm. as, and as a white person, to be told it, it's a it's a you know it can be a tough thing or a complicated thing to reconcile to ha- to acknowledge the fairly objective reality that like we live in a white supremacist world and country, mm-hmm. and like we are a racist. We live in a racist nation. That doesn't mean that you, individual white person are like a, 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 a foaming at the mouth, like horrible right. racist person that, and, and, but to be able to sort of hear and acknowledge that like, I have biases, the, I have benefited from systemic and institutionalized racism over generations, whether or not I myself am a prejudiced bigot. I mean, like on, I'm talking institutional. It's like the facts are that black people weren't given home loans up until like a few decades ago, right, right. And bank loans just a few decades ago, which right. allowed no upward mobility, right. which is something that any white person or most white people, you know, we shouldn't yeah. completely generalize, but it's something that they just kind of take for granted. Zoning laws, completely. you know, and how those zoning laws work and now then police activity Completely. is there to basically monitor and just feed the police and uh, jail systems. It's all, they're very, it's deeply institutionalized. And sometimes it makes people feel like I'm not a racist, but, but like you said, there are just systems in place that have given one group a distinct yeah. advantage and a distinct head start. Oh my God. I mean, that. And it, exactly. And like, again, I understand, or at least I can, my empathy does sort of extend to those white people who who do have knee-jerk defensive reactions to that i understand like there is like a i get that you dave aren't racist (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i understand like we that that's good and that's good but like you dave have benefited from racism whether or not you are super conscious of that and it does i mean like i think part of I don't know. It does feel like, like you said, 10 years of working for a week's worth of progress. It does feel like um, it's perpetually unfortunate that it takes the murdering and the death of black people to get to this point, the sort of consistent violent imagery that we're sort of that, that happens and the violence that is perpetrated on the black community. Um, but it does feel like we are at a bit of a cultural tipping point, I hope. And it's sort of, I don't know, perhaps analogous to the sort of like Me Too. I think a lot of like the Me Too, Harvey, the, like what Harvey Weinstein, like the floodgates that that opened was like, okay, let's all collectively as a, an American national and international culture address the systemic sexism and misogyny that exists in our world. And like how that bleeds into sexual violence, but also how there's like many, many, many infinite gradations of misogyny and sexism that exist. And like violent rape is on one horrible end of the spectrum, but there's also like a million different shades of that. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like we are at ho- hopefully or potentially um, another like just critical there's a critical mass of awareness now about mm-hmm. um, how the black community has been treated by the police and how um, sl- the, it's simply simply the acknowledgement of slavery as being like one of the original sins of this nation that we have never really reconciled with in any real meaningful way. And, um, and hopefully that we are, there is great change on the horizon. Um, so thanks to all this activism and just heightened awareness across the board. I was going to say that, um, I, you know, I suggested kind of an opaque suggestion of like practice more empathy, but a more direct way that you can help is if you visit Black Lives Matters, Black Lives Matters with an S after matters dot C-A-R-R-D dot co. Bit of a mouthful, but let me say it again. Black Lives Matters dot C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. It gives you all sorts of ways to sign petitions, to text or call on their behalf, to make donations, to leave resources. There's resources for protesters. So Check that out if you're looking for a direct way to learn a little bit more and listen a little better. Um, let's go Absolutely. into an act break, Ed. 
What do you say we lighten okay, things up? Maybe talk about COVID in the second act. <laughs> Exactly. The, you know, the evil the evil that plagues our world that at least isn't human now? Yeah, so, so there's that. At least. Yeah, so we'll, let's go there in the second act. Right. Um, <laughs> okay, man, great. what kind of song? Is there a song that you've been listening to lately? Have you listened to the new run, The Jewels? Oh, you know what? I haven't listened to the new run. I know that you were, we were on a, a text thread about it, but I haven't listened. I haven't yet dug into Run The Jewels. I mean, I'm sure it's amazing, and I tr- and and. Maybe we should just, can we please play a song off that? <laughs> yes, so we're going to play the first track off of the Run the Jewels album. I don't remember what it's called. They have a lot of funny names on this, but man, this this album, RTJ4, is a soundtrack it's awesome. for the streets. It is like a Great. perfect, it was on a perfect collision course with, you know, you hate to say perfect, but it was on a collision course with what was happening in the world, again, with police and with Great. just kind of how everyone's kind of been feeling. So a pretty powerful album, RTJ4. We'll play the first track off it and we'll come back with more. No joke. This week on Yankee and the Brave. Back at it like a crack addict, Mr. Black Magic, crack a bitch back, power crack a craft magic, big daddy smoking big Cali in a black, Cali in a black, granddaddy rolling down, old natty how, napping Maddie as a black, granddaddy all back, no capping fat black, both captain stay floating, no flapping wave runner, I'm a gunner, I'm a haggard block, hot as a sunner all summer, and I put that on Osama and my motherfucking mama. Welcome back to the No Joke Podcast. That was Run the Jewels, a.k.a. Killer Mike and LP. And that song was Yankee and the Brave off the new album, Run the Jewels 4. Man, powerful. <laughs> Killer Mike has really had a Ooh. big couple of years, hasn't wow. he? He's really become a voice for the people, hasn't he? He's really amazing. That well, I mean, his kind of – that press conference that he gave – um, I think, well, obviously it was in Atlanta, I guess, uh, about the short, uh, I, I was sort of Atlanta was that, that first kind of wave of protests, that sort of eight and a half minute, nine minute 
kind of extemporaneous sort of press conference he gave, I found very powerful and sort yeah. of ethically orienting in, in in a way. And he is, yeah, he's a what a what a smart, brilliant. Uh, talk about empathetic, uh, a real a real activist and an awesome mm. rapper. <laughs> yeah, he kind of has the ability to speak like a preacher, where everything he oh, says yeah. is like. It just feels like he's holding a microphone even when he's not. I know. You're right. Yeah. The dude is incredible. Yeah, he's he's amazing. I feel like we played music of his on this on this podcast before, or at least talked about Killer Mike, but that, you know, like the Ronald Reagan song, I mean, he's been sort of like he's rapped about, frankly, about, you know, systemic police violence. I seemingly for I mean, it runs throughout his oeuvre of music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. his, I feel like one of the thematic staples of his music. No, he's amazing. Yeah, he's a, he's a real activist. Uh, yeah, Killer Mike, That um, the song you're talking about, Reagan, is off of Ooh. an album he put out right before Run the Jewels 1. That album is called Rap Music, and that album is mean. That's another big album. So if you guys are sitting at home and you're just listening to podcasts nonstop and you want new music, check out Run the Jewels 4, Killer Mike and LP, and then check out Rap Music. with uh, It's Killer Mike's album. It's just a monster. <laughs> the album is called Rap Music? I mean, that's when you know who you are. <laughs> like, I remember, Adam, when you and I, you and I were just even, like, coming up with the idea of Snakes. And maybe we had done, like, five yeah. concerts at UCB. Maybe we had recorded, yeah. like, a few songs. But, like... Neither one yeah. of us like felt confident to call ourselves a rapper. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we like, I was I wouldn't introduce myself as being like I'm Billy, I'm a rapper. I'd say I'm a caterer. <laughs> I'm twenty four years old in New York City. Like I know who I am. <laughs> Yeah. Um, So you you need to know who you are when you when you call your album rap music and that album music rap music (laughs) absolutely killer. I love that. So good. Uh, Yeah. So it's the second act of this the No Joke podcast. Like we said, we took two weeks off. One because of all of the things that are happening in the streets. But Adam, we also were kind of uh, we can't overlook, and we kind of mentioned it in the first act. What wasn't happening in the streets, everyone's staying at home. Now yes. uh, is an interesting time for this conversation because it seems like most major cities have either reopened or are reopening this weekend. Yeah. Uh, which, let's talk about it for a second. Let's talk about it for a second. <laughs> it's, it just why? feels... Let's start with why do you why? think, Adam? Why do, why do you think? Okay, let me give... Uh, maybe a a, a a a cynical answer and an and a less cynical answer. <laughs> okay. Um, why do I think businesses are opening now? I think businesses. The cynical answer would be because um, capitalism and the bottom line of a lot of these businesses and and local and national governments have sort of decided that they are willing to trade human life for money and that they're willing to just open business and keep the economy. Uh, quote unquote afloat, uh, no matter how many people they put at risk, either because they don't believe the virus is as deadly as it is, or because they even perhaps even worse, they do believe that it's as deadly as it is and, and still just simply don't care. So I think that is maybe what's happening. I think that maybe a slightly l- more, this isn't even less cynical. This is just a different shade of it. And mm-hmm. I hate to admit this, but I feel like Americans, uh, particularly Americans, everyone in the world, but Americans particularly, our attention span is so short and it mm. is just so, so brief that I just feel like we got bored. Like we just yep. collectively all got antsy and bored and that was enough to get cranky and want to go to the movies again. And yeah, I think both of those know, things could like, actually kind of work hand in hand. You know, right, we never, right. this, it's so, it's so incredibly unprecedented, but just to, just to zoom in on where we're at right now. 
Um, like you said, yeah. and like you just explained, various reasons have reopened these cities. Arizona, cities in Arizona, Florida, and yeah. I believe Texas, three weeks ago reopened. Yeah. Um, their cases were all one-third three weeks ago of what they are today. All their cases since three weeks ago have tripled. Tripled. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's not all the evidence you need, you know, to say that this isn't yeah. working. And now we know that New York is slowly opening. L.A. opened on Friday, just like three days ago from when this will come out. Um, and you think, well, if our numbers are currently at their all-time high in California, let's call it 3,000, right. some days. And, right. if the, and the models show that in the states that reopened three weeks later – they tripled. That would mean that if those numbers held, we would be looking at something like 10,000 new cases a day three weeks from now. Right. Now, that would be right. the most bleak. That would be the most, I would say, like the, one of the worst case scenarios. The worst but, act, right. But that being said, it's like, why would we reopen? Yeah. And it's, it's so disheartening to think, you got bored. We got, you know, we just got bored. Came along and we were cool with it, you know. And even, and what's interesting to me is, so I've seen two days now of kind of going, driving up and down Sunset Boulevard or just kind of in my yeah. neighborhood. And the restaurants that are opening, people are, it's really like a coin flip, whether you're seeing a mask. People walking on the sidewalks, I would say you have like a 30, 70 mask to no mask, which is just like, wow. So we're really kind of just quote unquote moving on. But then you go to a protest and, and I've been to one, the big Hollywood one, and it felt like 9.5 out of 10 people were wearing a mask. Are so masked. it's so interesting yeah. how segmented it's like, I'm going to a restaurant and I'm done with the masks. And others are like, I'm, yeah. gonna a bunch of people, I'm wearing a mask. It's going to be really interesting. And let me just finish by saying, wear a mask, everyone listening to the No Joe podcast. Don't For the be, love of you, God. Don't be insecure about it. Save a life. <laughs> the, the pandemic, the disease didn't get bored. Like the disease right. is still, it's like... <laughs> Yeah. Does it care about your restaurant? And like to me, like I, I understand, like I mean, look, there are facets to the conversation, and like yeah. this is like a global pandemic. Like this is a hugely unfortunate thing, obviously, to state the deeply obvious, and like put so many people in tough financial straits because so they're not working and they're not their businesses are not operating, etc. And so I even have, again, like I have a ton of empathy for ev everyone in this goddamn world <laughs> about yeah. this and how weird and hard this is. Um, and I even understand, quote unquote, a reopening businesses in, in sort of sparsely um, populated areas, in smaller towns, in uh, places where there aren't, you know, public transit. Or, I mean, I think that there are certain kind of, I don't know, pockets where if everyone is careful and masked and socially right. distant, then yeah, go to a restaurant. I get, like, go to a restaurant or go to the park, et cetera. But like in places like Los Angeles and New York City and Atlanta and these like, dense urban environments it just seems so reckless to me just to like give to for like these local governments and the mayors and the governors etc to kind of give these give us the green light to go out and live again it just seems a little short-sighted and kind yeah. of I, I don't know <laughs> I, I don't know if it was you who said it but you did you came by and we had a, a very fun socially distanced i'm on the top of the stairs you're yeah. on the bottom of the stairs <laughs> yeah. and i don't remember if it was you saying i think it was you but you were like so it doesn't match the data. All the data is saying it's worse than ever. So the data doesn't say it's a good time to reopen. So right. like just from a health standpoint, economically, obviously, it's like there's a lot of things that just can't hold, you know, with the economy, just like not last. So I get that. But I think it was you who said that it's like, what do they know that they're reopening this? Like, is there something right. was it you who said it where it was just like, is there something they're not telling us that like we're either safer than we are or yeah. like, why? Because it's so unclear why you would reopen. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I think that like this is for the first time, not for the first time in my life, that if not not quite, but this is what uh, I think this is one of the many sort of destructive ripple effects of a kind of of a of a vac of a leadership vacuum, uh, mm. and like I mean we have an idiot as a president right now. We all know that we don't need to belabor that point, but like and it and it's like this is one of the many kind of ripple effects of that because like if we don't trust our leaders, if we don't trust the the our elected officials. And then like, yeah, like it feels like it breeds that kind of paranoia. What does Garcetti, what does Gavin Newsom mm. know that we don't like? It's so hard to, it just engenders this sort of um, destructive, corrosive mistrust and sort of natural skepticism about the people who are like telling us what to do and giving us guidance and, and sort of like, you know, setting curfews and then lifting curfews seemingly arbitrarily. It's just like, it, we can't, I don't trust that there is any rhyme or reason because I don't think that there is one. But I also just like simply at a certain point, like, I don't really trust that they have our best interest at heart, to be honest with you. Upward like like I said, they, oh, I mean, course. this is yeah. how I see politicians now too, where it's like, it's not my job to trust you. Like, it's yeah. not my job to even root for you. It's my job to hold your feet to the fire and make sure that you are a public servant for yes. us and that you yes. are listening to the community for us. It's like, sure, it's great when both of those things work and you get a Barack Obama or someone and you're just like, I'm a huge fan of you, but also you're doing a lot of things that like, we'd love to see this type of leadership forever, you know? But right. when it comes to every other politician, it's like, it seems more responsible to just not you're not rooting for them you're not a fan of them you just need to like hold them accountable and try and fix any problems that they're not doing easier said than done i don't i don't know how of to course do that. i, I mean, feel like that needs to be the point of view when it comes to politicians exactly and this is something that you and marie and i were talking about when when we were hanging out the other day which is just like uh you know knocking politicians off their pedestal they, they're not celebrities like you said they work for us they are public servants and i felt like the most crystallized kind of dramatic version of that was that video that went around of the minneapolis mayor jacob yes. whatever his name is showing yes, up to that use, matter protest. <laughs> let's use him as the cliffhanger because i'd like to kind of speak on that for a little bit in the third <laughs> yeah. act okay great. that was just almost Un truly unbelievable um it's so really hmm. what do we what song do we play in the second act adam a song from minneapolis, um, minneapolis i was gonna say something something from prince something that uh i mean prince the, pa you, the patron saint of saint paul in minneapolis do you have a favorite prince song oh gosh raspberry <laughs> Uh, maybe raspberry beret that's like a super cheery poppy raspberry beret i think that captures the spirit of the moment
No Joe podcast that was Prince Raspberry Beret, uh, and we are talking just the spirit of the Run the Jewel song we played first, and then Raspberry Beret. <laughs> so good, <laughs> so so ridiculous. All right, so why we played that? We were talking about uh, disgraced Minnesota uh, Mayor Jacob. What's his last name? Fry? Fry? Is it Frey? Fry? I'm not Fry. sure. Yeah, it's really funny when we don't even know the last names. Jacob, Mayor Jacob. Yeah, Mayor Jacob looks like he won a talent show and became the mayor of Minneapolis. Like he won a spelling bee and became the mayor of Minneapolis. Dude is in his twenties. Yeah, do you know? It is as if they chose the just the handsomest middle schooler and they made him mayor. Yeah, right. So they took the class president of Minneapolis Middle School. And they said, you're the mayor now. Yeah. And um, of course, the terrible events that happened in Minneapolis occurred, but and it kind of gave rise to a number of protests and rallies. And one was a defund the police rally. Yes. Um, and we can get into what defund the police actually means, or we can at least try. But Jacob was invited to this rally where everyone Jacob, in attendance, yes. little yes. Jacob was invited, where everyone in attendance had one set of beliefs. And they were going yeah. to ask him if, they, if he shared the same set of beliefs. And this is right. taking place on a street, called thousands of people surrounding him. Seemed and, like it, yeah. And Adam, what, do you want to explain what you saw? Because I know you loved it too. Yeah, well, I mean, it was like this huge sort of defund the police rally, frankly. And Mayor Jake was there and they sort of asked him point blank, like the woman who was sort of leading this rally, who was amazing, uh, just sort of very kind of purpose fully uh, said, okay, like you can say everything you want. You know, Mayor Jake was sort of saying some kind of diplomatic jargon. And she was like, shush, will, yes or no, will you promise us that, will you defund the police? Yes or no? Simple. Yes or no? And then she sort of looked to the crowd and was like, because remember, listen to this answer because he's up for re-election. And like the crowd was off. So she was like really just kind of like playing it like a fiddle, like really orchestrating, conducting this moment. It's like political moment. And he said, yes or no, mayor, mayor, baby boy. 
Uh, will you defund the police? And he just sort of fumfered for a second and said, no, basically said, no, I will. I cannot agree to that. And then instantly thousands of people just started booing him, booing, booing. And I believe, and forgive my language. She saw us and get the fuck out of here and go (laughs) home. And they just, they just like Cersei from game of Thrones style shamed him out of there. And he just like yelling, thousands of people yelling to their mayor, go home, Jacob. (laughs) Like it was, like a hockey match and he got kicked off yeah. the ice and yeah. he walked down he walked away like uh, michael sarah in arrested development <laughs> Charlie like, Brown. Yeah. yep just like it, it was it seemed fake personally yeah. like it was too it was too good to be true like the people like obtaining that type of power it doesn't seem like that ever happened but he walked home alone like a 13 year old like isn't when i saw that i was so struck i was like he doesn't have one security guard he's the mayor of a major american (laughs) city and he had to walk back to his parents car on the sidewalk it was just a surreal moment it was surreal but it like just really did highlight that thing of what you had mentioned in the previous act which is like it just sort of in, in a kind of an inspirational invigorating way to me it's like yeah these mayors these public officials are just that they are your public servants and like they do your bidding and and just sort of like put a fine point on it so like he didn't want to defund the police and then i don't know whether it was like two or three days later the minneapolis minneapolis did ultimately decide to like sort of totally reconfigure the sort of police budgets and essentially defund the police so it 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 worked i mean that sort of like activism and consistent public protest and holding your public officials feet to the fire it works and it maybe is the only thing that works (laughs) <laughs> yes. Now the phrase defund the police and abolish the police. Um, yeah. Defund the police is obviously like a, it's a, it sounds really strong and it sounds really intense until you consider, and maybe this is cliche for people who have kind of been reading the same papers that I have, but uh, uh, education, social work, yeah. community affairs, um, local programs, all that kind of stuff has been defunded incrementally for the past few decades. Yeah, while exactly. police, police budgets are, I think it's a, approaching like $4 billion in uh, Los Angeles right. alone. And every other service is maybe like one thirtieth of that. And so people saying defund the police isn't just saying we want anarchy. What they're saying is we need to reallocate a lot of the funds to mod, like kind of catch up with our modern world. We are not military. We don't need military in the streets. We need more social workers making more isolated, creating more isolated solutions to more nuanced problems. Like homelessness should not be a cop um, issue. There should be social workers that should be committed to wanting to to repopulating these people into society and that they shouldn't just be police. Exactly. One of the more powerful, I rewatched the Ava DuVernay documentary, the 13th, the other night or some night, I don't Mm -hmm. know what nights and days are anymore, but some night I watched this documentary and like, yeah, it was like one of the more kind of powerful and unfortunately, you know, sort of permanently relevant kind of chapters of that movie was talking about how it was like Richard Nixon in the 70s started this thing of like war on crime, kind of be tough on right. crime, war on crime. And it kind right. of started this sort of snowball effect of, of police budgets just over the decades, just sort of gradually ballooning and ballooning and ballooning and ballooning. And then like he set this precedent where like it was Nick, this like Nixon to Reagan to Bill Clinton sort of triumvirate of like Nixon started this thing where like then any subsequent president had to be quote unquote tough on crime, which in mm-hmm. in various ways was just coded for like up to disrupt black communities. And that's not even an interpretation. It's like there was this like, you know, Nixon's like, I forgot who, chief of staff or someone, they were explicit about it. I mean, there was like we used war, the quote unquote war on crime to disrupt black communities. That was the explicit goal. So just mm. to sort of, I mean, not it's not even subtext. It's just the text. So like, um, yeah, so like seeing the, like over the course of 
these three decades and then turbocharged after September 11th, I feel like, um, where like all these police forces right down to like local rinky dink and like podunk Arizona police forces now have like grenade launchers and freaking like, you know, desert storm tanks that they just simply don't need. And like the police forces have yet just been sort of slowly militarized over these like, you know, three or so decades. So yeah, defund the police, just to echo what you said, Bill, it's just about reallocating those resources, which seems obviously good to me. Yeah, <laughs> there, I agree. There have been yeah. a couple of headlines or moments where it's like, this is so sad and depressing that I have to kind of laugh at it. One was a recent headline where uh, the school, Los Angeles school police have agreed to uh, return their grenade launchers. Oh, God. The Los Angeles schools, their police have agreed that one step back we can take is to say no grenade launchers. And I think that's actually a very <laughs> fair concession. I think that that is, that you know, both, both, are getting, both, are some, both are making the right moves there. Um, the Jesus. other one was a huge national moment, which is shouldn't be laughed at, but man, it's just like, let's just dunk on Trump for a second. The The Bible? When he oh held the Bible so confusedly and held it upside down and maybe backwards yeah. and just stood there for a few minutes, it's like yeah. you think it's just every next image is funnier than Veep. Like it I all feels like Veep. It's just so hard to process. Sometimes. I know that I, I do think. Who knows? Like that this Trump presidency has been has been defined by chaos in a way that like a thou- I've already forgotten most of the chaotic things that have happened that he's done already. <laughs> like the, it had, like the chaos comes so hard and fast that it's crazy. But I do think, I don't know. I do think that that was something like a defining moment of this little, of this sort of COVID George Floyd chapter of this American life um, was, yeah. And I was reading a tweet earlier today of someone in France that was basically like, yeah, like uh, the damage that the, the sort of irreparable damage that photo op tear gassing his own citizens and w- marching through Lafayette Park. So he hold the Bible upside down in front of a church he doesn't go to was like so damaging to like America's re- reputation internationally. And she was just like all the news here in France and across Europe is like, you know, there was this horrible incident, like the, the umpteenth black person killed by the police and rightful and righteous protests and then the president tear gassed the protesters for a photo op i mean the narrative is so clear abroad it's only here in america that the media confuses the narrative and bends over backwards to sort of like treat trump like he's a a reputable respectable human being and but Mm -hmm. i think the whole world sees us for what we are they are you know the whole world sees us for the sort of like and again i say this not with cruelty but like sees us for the white supremacist nation that we always have been and like it's hard being an american and americans being living in it it's hard to sort of like you know know the water that you were born swimming in but abroad their perspective of us is that like holy crap and like this is the worst possible precedent for this possible time (laughs) so yeah um, that actually feels like the perfect line to end on. This is the worst possible president for this present time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. um, we, you know, it feels sometimes empty to be like, vote, vote, vote. But just, you know, just say it again. If local elections, you know, really just do your research. Um, and we just have to, you know, just keep voting and just keep fighting. I want yeah. to give that um, those two websites again, where you might be able to help if you if you're looking for more information on the Black Lives Matter movement and how you could take action, how you can really just understand what they're working towards, go to blacklivesmatter.com. And if you'd like to donate or provide resources or sign petitions, go to blacklivesmatters.com. 
blacklivesmatters.card with two rs.co. Black Lives Matter, blacklivesmatters.card with two rs.co. Lusto, we've made a, we've kind of made the rebrand to not be topical, but I think this is a very good reason and excuse to be very topical. Yeah. To light on our point of view. I think it's important to have these episodes too. Absolutely. We are all experiencing this moment in our history and it feels seminal and we just, the, the momentum, um, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. <laughs> let's scream at all our mayors and shame them when they, when they are shameful. <laughs> right. Um, so next episode that'll come out on Friday, just a few days from now, we will you know, yeah. go back to uh, previously scheduled programming. But that being yeah. said, we are not <laughs> yeah. going to be quiet. We're going to be reminding you of things that we can all be doing, our, me and you included, Adam. Um, Absolutely. But good job today. Good job today. Yes. Yes. Yeah, good talk, Bill. Uh, for the No Joke Podcast, I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And like always, we will talk to you next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.